0: On today's show, the Atlanta Hawks go into Charlotte and win in convincing fashion. The Hawks had struggled mightily on the road this season, but were able to pick up a 19-point victory on the road against the Hornets. Certainly shorthanded still for Atlanta. They were not perfect in this game, but the offense was very, very good, led by Trey Young and Magda Magnanovich, and the Hawks were able to kind of win convincingly despite having a pretty ugly third quarter along the way. We'll get into all of that and more coming up. You are locked on Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1370 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host Brad Roland coming to you on a Friday evening here in mid-December and today's episode is brought to you by BetOnline. Online has you covered the season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline is where the game starts and I also want to encourage you as always to make this podcast Locked on Hawks your first listen each and every day. Check us out across podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Apple Podcasts, as I said before, Google Play and also on the video side over at YouTube and yes, I am not in my normal studio if you're watching this on YouTube or maybe even hearing the quality difference. My apologies. I am on the road right now. So forgive me for any uh, audio or video challenges that might transpire. I like to be at home and in my comforts uh, usually whenever possible. But this is this is uh, sort of unavoidable with travel. And I'm a little bit short on time as well. But I want to always make sure if I possibly can to get a podcast going. And this is a nice night for the Atlanta Hawks. They go on the road and win 125 to 106 up in Charlotte. And uh, basically coming into the night, My thought was, and I even shared this on Twitter, was like somebody had to win this game. Both teams had some pretty pretty ugly metrics going on in this one. The Hornets had lost six games in a row. Now now that number is seven. The Hawks came in at three and eight in their last 11 overall and and one and seven in the last eight on the road. Obviously, Atlanta still shorthanded as well, missing three of their top four players. But uh, yeah, certainly a nice revenge game as well. The Hawks lost when they were more at full strength to the Hornets back in October in pretty stunning fashion, actually. But the Hornets have been brutal this season. That's worth pointing out. I came in at 7-21 on the year. They were healthier than they've been all season long. LaMelo Ball is back for the Hornets, which is certainly a very pivotal thing for them as their best player. Gordon Hayward also played. So I don't think the available talent for the Hornets in this game was a 7-21 and basketball team. Now, are they good? No, they're not. But they're not terrible either with their available roster and we'll get into more of that in a second when i talk about the betting line on this one but um on the hawk side there was one injury update to pass along in between podcast episodes because i was traveling uh in between uh click apella is officially uh, out with a right calf strain he wanted he had an mri on thursday up in charlotte and the Hawks said he's expected to miss quote approximately one to two weeks End quote. Now, those are always rough timelines. I always want to stress that you cannot just go by the letter of the law there. John Collins, for example, had his two week timetable evaporate on Thursday, but that was an at least two week situation. So you can't just assume he's going to be back after a after a week or two, but hopefully that's the case. Capella is extremely important. I know that what happened in this game was what it was, but we've seen over the course of multiple years now, especially this year, even the Hawks are not the same without Capella. So he'll be missed to be sure. Murray and still out as well. Um, the Hornets didn't have everybody back. They did have Cody Martin, Dennis Smith Jr., etc. on the shelf. But the Hawks were underdogs in this game, which might sound surprising if you're not been paying attention to the Hornets this year, especially if you see their record at 7-21. and 21. The Hawks were better than that coming in. But uh, they were two and a half, $100, according to Battle Online, our friends over there. And that is the price of playing as poorly as the Hawks have been playing in recent days, as well as having those three guys on the shelf. Obviously, they were able to overcome that and win. But uh, there you go. Um, They started small in this game as well. The Hawks did changing lineup up um, with good reason. If you kind of uh, maybe a little bit surprising on the the surface, but not really to me. They started Trent Forrest and Bogdan Magdanovich with Hunter going to the four in this matchup the Hornets do not really have a traditional power forward which makes this a little bit easier um they also I think first and foremost had to have someone defend LaMelo Ball and that was that was Trent Forrest um I will come back to this later on but um Bogdanovich Griffin is obviously their top two wings right now with Murray unavailable uh with Hunter going to the four especially but those guys if you if you were to start uh let's say Trey. Griffin, and Bogdanovich, none of those three guys is capable, really, of defending LaMelo Ball, which is why you end up with Forrest on the floor. Also of uh, interesting note here and probably a positive sign overall, um, David Millen said, according to Lauren Williams of AJC before the game, that Bogdanovich is now off of a mid entirely. So he's now full go. Not a huge surprise. He's been back for a little while now, but that's probably a big factor in him starting in this game. His first start since March 7th, um, earlier this year. It's been a long time. Some people were kind of upset or bothered that AJ Griffin was not starting in this game. I do get that. He's obviously a big piece of the future. But um, just to put it plainly, McDonough Lynch is still better than AJ. And he was going to go ahead of him as soon as he was uh, sort of at full go. He was going to go ahead of Griffin in the pecking order, which is, makes some sense. But Gunnish has been really good so far. And obviously, Griffin is better than Forrest. And I'm not saying otherwise, but because of what I said a second ago, somebody has to guard the mellow ball. And that's why Forrest started over Griffin in this game. Um, the number one area of concern I had in this matchup coming in was defensive rebounding. I wrote about that actually on my Patreon, which is patreon.com slash btroland. And it was made even more glaring by starting out small with the 100-4, and Akangwu had, had some challenges there. And uh, that was a major issue in the first half. The Hawks were winning the game, obviously. But if you look at the numbers, they got blitzed on the glass before halftime. In fact, there was an offensive rebound for a dunk at the first possession from the Hornets. They had three in like the first three minutes of the game, plus another, another drawn foul. Fortunately, though, the Hawks offensively, and this is really the story of the night overall, not that we've seen the game, the Hawks' offense was just too good to not win this game, honestly. A 22-4 to run by the Hawks early on in the first quarter to go up by 14 points. That was a uh, nice way to start things off. Uh, Bogey had it going early on, hit two threes, and had eight points in that stretch. Trey Young played very well in the first half. He was more decisive, more assertive than he had been in previous games. And the Hornets also went cold with two points in about four and a half minutes. The Hawks led by 16 or so at one point in the first quarter. The offense was really flying. They had 31 points on the first 19 possessions. That's about a 163 ish offensive rating. That's obviously fantastic stuff uh, by the numbers. There were seven mid on twos and four fixed on threes, and uh, that that was not that was not quite sustainable, but still very impressive in the early going. Uh, rotationally, only nine guys played for the Hawks in the competitive portion. this one it was eddie griffin coming in first for mcdonovich and uh, i thought this might happen in real time but they ended up basically staggering trey and bogey which makes sense to me that's actually what the hawks used to do before burry came in once when bogey was full strength they nate kind of figured out that bogey was their best offensive engine with trey off the court even in the playoffs a couple years ago etc that happened here and they kind of made sure bogey and griffin were on the floor together when trey was off which is a good decision i thought then they played frank kaminsky at backup five And then Aaron Holiday in the Trent Forrest role and Jalen Johnson at the backup four spot. They did level off a little bit late in the first quarter, but they were up by 14 points. Trey was awesome with 14 points, four assists, and no turnovers in the first quarter. Only the fifth time in his entire career that he smashed those numbers for any quarter. That's actually pretty darn impressive, given how good he has been. The Hawks shot 80% on twos in the first quarter, uh, had eight assists. Um, about 150 offensive rating. Charlotte did not make shots in the first quarter, which made life easier on the Hawks, but they definitely played well at the outset. And that continued in the second quarter. Bogey, um, again, was anchoring that second unit, and the Hawks went up by 21 points in the first, like, 16 minutes or so. It's 50 to 29. They were really, really cooking with those ludicrous shooting numbers that they had. But uh, things did not go so well after that for a while. Um, a couple, Their first run of the game from Charlotte, they, they made back-to-back threes. Um, There's probably too much Frank Kaminsky in this game, generally speaking. He played about 10 minutes in a row in the, in the first half with the congo and two fouls. That was not necessary. I, think, I think Frank had an actually a good offensive game, which we'll come back to. But defensively, he was definitely hurting them. The Hawks led by 24 points late in the first half. But then the Hornets made three threes in the final 80 seconds. Trey had a turnover and a bad miss down the stretch. And they were only only by 16 at the half, which was fine. I mean, obviously, they were up at 16 at the half. But it was 24, and we'll come back to that in a second. But uh, I thought Trey was had a very weird game overall. Uh, he was awesome early, he was awesome late, and he was really bad for like five minutes in between. And that was kind of coinciding with the Hawks having their worst stretch of the game. Anyway, that started at, at the end of the first half. But still, the first half was pretty impressive from Atlanta. They scored almost a point and a half per possession. They had a new season high with 75 points in the first half. They shot 73% on twos, 50% on threes, and 16 of 17 at the line. It's a ton of attempts for this Hawks team. This was a very interestingly officiated game. It was very tight, um, which probably benefited the Hawks, I, I think, in this game. Um, they did shoot the ball understandably well. In fact, they were 14 of 16 on twos away from the rim, which is usually like a 50% shot, if that. Uh, obviously, they were really hot there. The only weakness there on offense was the offensive rebounding in the first half. But Trey had 19 and 6. Bogey had 16 and 6 rebounds. Only missed one shot. Defensively, they were not particularly good. In fact, they got a little bit lucky, I thought, defensively in the first half. The Hornets were only 11 of 26 on shots inside of 14 feet. That's a terrible number. When you factor in, that includes shots at the rim and floaters. That's a really bad number for the Hornets. And that was definitely helpful for the Hawks. And they missed four free throws to the dead Hornets in the first in the first half. But as I said before, the Hawks got thrashed on the glass in the first half. But it was fortunately going to get better after halftime. And uh while the third quarter did not start well, as we'll get into it in a second, the rest of the game did go well on the way to the win. But and we'll get into more detail in a moment. But first, a word from our sponsors on the show today. Imagine for a second, you've been hanging out with your friends for a while, putting back a few drinks, but a few drinks becomes a few too many drinks. As the evening comes to an end, people start to head out. You think of calling for a ride, but instead you think, ah, you live nearby. You can make it home okay. It's no big deal. What are the odds you get pulled over anyway? And even so, what's the worst that could happen? Your insurance goes up or you lose your license? Or you could lose your job or total your car or even kill someone. Everyone everyone knows the risks of drink drinking and driving, and the risks are tragic and often deadly. However, that's not stopping everybody from getting behind the wheel when they're under the influence. That's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on the roads with an effort to save lives. And if you think that's okay to drive after a few drinks, think again, play it safe, and plan ahead to get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's life forever. Drive sober or get pulled over. Today's show is brought to you by PrizePix. If you're looking for a daily fantasy option this year in any NBA or anything else, check out the award-winning app at PrizePix. Picks. PrizePix Picks is daily fantasy made easy. I love it, and I know that you will too. It's so very easy to use. I can vouch for that. I've played Prize Picks for quite some time now in a variety of sports and really enjoy the daily grind going through all the numbers at Prize Picks. All you do is pick two to six players and choose whether they'll have more or less a certain number of points, rebounds, assists, or any other stat that you're looking for at Prize Picks. What if it's 25 times the money on your entries, and it's just you against the projected numbers? There are other sports offered, Price Picks. That includes beyond the NBA, they have college basketball, WNBA, NFL, college football, MLB, NHL, PGA, soccer, esports, NASCAR, MMA, boxing, tennis, cricket, and much more. And an entire entry can be done in just a minute or less. It's that easy and that quick. They also have safe and fast withdrawals at Price Picks. They're operating in more than 30 states, including Georgia, and they're also in Canada. Download the app at Price Picks. Today, or go to pricepix.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First time users get 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on. Do not forget that promo code locked on at sign up for the instant deposit match up to $100. Check it out now at pricepix. All right, so the worst part of this game was the early stretch of the third quarter, and it got a little bit scary after the Hawks have been up by, again, as many as 24 points late in the first half. Coming out of the gate in the, in the in the second half, they had two terms in a row, including a pick six that was a terrible pass by Trey for a dunk. And then Hunter had a, what I would have to say was just a kind of a bizarre air ball on third possession. The Hawks turned it over again shortly after that. The Hornets had eight points at about 95 seconds. And they called timeout. That didn't fix anything at all, actually. The Hawks didn't score for almost four minutes. And it was Trent Forrest, hilariously, that's, that broke the drought for, for the Hawks. But after all of that, uh, it was a 27-5 to 5 overall run by the Hornets. From the end end of the first half to the start of the second half, 27 to 5. So the Hawks lead went from 24 down to 2 in about 6 minutes of game time. It was across two halves, but... That's just a crazy downturn. Uh, the Hawks never actually trailed because they were up so many points and uh, it got to two. The Hawks had the ball a couple times to take the lead. They, didn't, they were never, never able to do that. So the Hawks basically led the entire way after the first couple of minutes of this game. But it got dicey. If you didn't watch this one, it really was feeling like this was going to be a blown lead in a disaster situation for Atlanta. The to things, stabilize things in the third quarter. Some of that was Charlotte cooling off. They missed six shots in a row, had a turnover. The Hawks stopped turning the ball over as well. While Atlanta had 14 turnovers in the game, they had, I think, five of them in, like, a five-minute stretch. That was their worst ball security moments of the entire game. Also, a free, a free point, a technical foul on Steve Clifford. Trey had eight points in a row, including five free throws in a row, to go back up by 12. And from that point forward, the lead was never, like, fully in doubt. It got down, down to six again, I think, late in the third. But uh, certainly that stabilization was very, very important um charlotte did hit three threes in a row late in the third quarter and trey missed a free throw attempt uh, on a technical foul on <laughs> kelly Oubre. um but yeah other than that like it was pretty strong uh, i thought defensively though was not their best and most of that was early on uh, some of that was uh, again kind of i would say helped or hurt if you, however you want to view that by the turnovers but the hornets did have 10 assists and hit six threes in the third quarter 33 points and uh they were pretty fortunate i thought to still be winning at points after the third quarter because of how bad things were in that first like five minutes of the third fortunately the fourth was better um I will say Frank Kaminsky gave a lot back on defense but he was valuable on offense against his former team and the Hornets who drafted him in the top 10 he had a nice backdoor pass to Aaron Holiday he had a nice fake DHO to draw some free throw attempts and Frank did give them some good juice on offense in this game um overall though you know the Hawks had a Totally broken possession in the third that actually got billed out because Jalen Johnson made a heads up play and rescued Chocolate buzzer to score. But uh, the big stretch that kind of put the game away for Atlanta was a 24 to 4 overall run from the late part of the third quarter to the middle of the fourth. Um, It actually could have been even more than that. Bogey missed two out of three at at the line, which is kind of funny. But other than that, he was awesome in that stretch, made a bunch of step-back shots, and was really hot. And the Hawks were up by 24 points with like five minutes to go, and that was basically the end of the game at that point. Charlotte, by the way, scored four points in the first seven and a half minutes of the fourth quarter. They were one of 12 on the floor and three turnovers as the Hawks broke it up. And uh, the Hawks were better defensively at times in that stretch, but certainly a little help from Charlotte. And I will hat to this to my friend Lynn Willis, who said this on Twitter. But uh, it was true if you watch the tape. Charlotte just inexplicably stopped attacking the rim, even against Frank Kaminsky, who is very well known for not being a good rim protector. The Hornets bailed the Hawks out by taking a bunch of subtle jump shots, and that was very helpful from a bad team. And the bench was in by like the two and a half minute mark of the fourth quarter, and that was kind of the end of that. So overall, it was certainly an offense win for the Hawks. They were really good on offense in this game. A 126 offensive rating for the entire contest. It was well over 130 before garbage time, so I'll lean on that side, honestly. But the Hawks were 14 of – no, sorry, 15 of 29 from three. That is obviously lights out. Um, You can't assume that's going to happen every night. They do have better shooting than they had before with Bogey and Griffin, but uh, that's a – you have to win those games when you shoot that, when you shoot that well, and they did in this game. Also, twenty eight of thirty four at the line. That was a uh, not really a Hawks performance there. The Hawks are not great at getting in the line outside of Trey Young, but they they were able to do that a lot in this one. They didn't turn the ball over a lot in the rest of the game. They had that one terrible stretch, but the rest of the game was pretty solid. On that, the one thing I will at least flag on the Hawks offensively in this game, again, they were really good overall, was that they did not really get to the rim much at all. Only 14 shots at the rim the entire game, particularly in the glass. That's a very low number. Now, part of that is getting fouled at the rim, but still a pretty low number around there. And also, offensive rebounding was a weakness in this one overall, but still, the offense was generally excellent, even against a bad defensive team like Charlotte is. They made the shots, and they took advantage of the weaknesses of the Hornets. Uh, Defensively, they got a lot of help from the Hornets in the fourth quarter, um, especially with the lack of game attack from the Hornets down the stretch. But um I will say the defense was not particularly good in this game. The numbers look better than the actual performance was. If you watch this game, uh the Hornets did kind of go cold. But I, again, I, one more time, the Hawks did a good job on the glass in the second half. Um, Still terrible numbers for the game on the glass. And without Capella, I don't want to go crazy about this point, but the numbers are really, really bad. Over a large sample size with the hawks defensive rebounding without capella and it's even worse without capella and collins because you could argue collins is their second best their second best rebounder and uh the, two of them the two, two of those guys being out at the same time is problematic there but it didn't kill them in this game and they did uh allow only 19 free throw attempts so taking almost double the attempts from from the line as charlotte in this game was very helpful in leading the way so Again, overall, putting this game in context a little bit before we we dive into the individual player breakdowns, as we always do at the end of the show. The Hawks did play well on offense. They were, I think, a little bit unsustainably hot jump shooting-wise and floater range-wise. In this game, the numbers are eye-popping. Three-point range speaks for itself, 15-29 is just like you can't bank on that. But the Hawks did pass the ball better, I thought, in this game, generally speaking. And then defensively, there are lots of things to work on. But the second half was at least reasonably encouraging if they could stop turning the ball over as they did um, early in the third. And then I thought that um, you know playing without Capella and Collins, kind of knowing what you can and can't do is very, very helpful as well. And the Hawks were at least decent enough game plan-wise. But still, uh, defensively, a lot to clean up, let's just say. But it didn't matter in this spot. All right, we'll get into the individual players in a second and a lot of good stuff to talk about because especially with Bogdanovich and trying had a good game for the most part, uh, plenty of positivity to uh, pass along. But first, a word from our sponsors on the podcast today. Today's show is brought to you by BetOnline. It's an NBA season at the forefront of this podcast, of course, and things are very busy in the NBA world right now in mid-December and plenty of football, hockey, and soccer, other stuff going on as well in the sports world. That includes the upcoming World Cup final this weekend as I record this, and that's a legitimately huge international event. BetOnline is the number one source for wagering information that you're looking for. And that includes stats, and news, and analysis this season. It's the latest odds and trends for every pro and college league out there. Of course, the NBA is a part of that, but football, basketball, soccer, eSports, golf, tennis, auto racing, MMA, horse racing, entertainment bets, and more. And BetOnline is also very useful, engaging the latest from the Hawks. They have the spreads and money lines we looking for as over-unders, futures market stuff on the title and conference size division odds, and individual award stuff as well. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to get your fix on sports betting. And if you love sports podcasts, you can also find those at BetOnline. Check out BetOnline right now on your mobile device or computer to learn more about all the trends and the action in the sports world. BetOnline, where the game starts. We'll dive in now to the player evaluations at the end of this podcast and uh, a lot of positives, and as you might expect, from a 19-point road win. Um, the bench was pretty solid, actually. Jalen Johnson was probably the guy who struggled the most. He had four points, five rebounds, and two blocks. A couple of nice highlight plays from Jalen, but I think just play in, play out. He's not like, the best executing guy right now. I think he's got a long way to go. Still, the tools are really impressive. He had a couple, again, nice highlight moments in this one. But he was probably the player that I thought like was the worst, quote-unquote, of the nine that played for the Hawks. Still, he didn't kill them. By any means, uh, Aaron Holiday had a good game. He had five fouls, which is too many, but eleven points, three assists. Um, he made his only three point attempt, four seven from the floor, um, two rebounds. I thought he was just fine, uh, good, good defensively. He was certainly at least pestering Terry Rozier at one point And Lonzo, and uh, not Lonzo Lamelo Ball, and I thought Aaron just gave him. He, he kind of did what he did in this game, like him and Trent Forrest, kind of similarly. Just they were on the floor, staggering with each other in the same role, and just kind of did their jobs quietly. In this one, A.J. Griffin, I thought, had a couple of nice moments, had 13 points on eight shots. That's a good ratio, of course, had two assists two rebounds. He wasn't a super high usage player in this game. And then defensively, he had some moments that he is uh, I'm sure you, you would probably want back. I think the last couple of weeks has been a little bit worse defensively. But uh, I thought he was pretty solid overall in this one. Frank Kaminsky, it's a complicated evaluation because, honestly, I, I do want to say, just because I, I know we all, we've all kind of been hard on Frank this year. He was good on offense in this game, like legitimately good. 12 points, five assists seven rebounds, um, four or five from the floor, two or three from three. He is a talented offensive player. That's kind of the thing about Kaminsky that's so difficult because this year he's not – none of that has mattered, honestly, because he's been that bad defensively, and we'll come back to that in a second. But I thought he actually was good on offense. Now, defensively, he gave a lot back, and the rim protection numbers are terrible. He rebounded better than he has been rebounding in this game, which is good to see, and they're going to need it. As long as Capella is out, he is going to play. Um, I have argued that they probably should at least try Jalen Johnson at, at the five uh, maybe when Collins comes back, if he beats Capella back, they'll probably go back to Collins more at the five a little bit. But no matter what, I think they're going to play Kaminsky as long as Capella is out. And if he plays like he did tonight, that's okay. I think he got he, he did enough on offense to give back uh, to sort of get back what he what he gives away on defense. And uh, I think it was generally a positive night for Kaminsky for probably the first time all year long. Uh, I don't I don't mean I don't mean to say that to be big like, negative about Kaminsky, but he's been really bad to this point. And I thought he was uh, much better in this game overall. Uh, to the starters. In this one, Trent Forrest was the quietest guy, but still did his job very well and continues to play very well. Obviously, he's a guy that's kind of like up my alley as a appreciator of defense and just making good decisions. But six points, five assists, five rebounds, three four from the floor. You know, it was very low usage, four shots in 28 minutes is very very low. Um, did have a tur- one one turnover? Uh, just rock solid. Did a decent job on the, middle of the ball um yeah just is, continues to be very solid I think if they if they don't start if they don't play against a high-level guard like let's, let's just say Monday against Orlando it will not surprise me if they start AJ Griffin in that spot but against a guy like Lamello they needed someone like Trent Forrest to start and he played well in that spot um DeAndre Hunter was pretty quiet overall 11 points two rebounds in 27 minutes is not great one assist did have a block shot I thought he was Maybe outside of Jalen Johnson, probably their weakest link in this game. He was okay. He didn't get them killed. But 0-3 from 3. Um, defensively, just kind of, eh, okay. Um, did bother Gordon Hayward a little bit. That was his matchup in the early going, which was probably effective. And Kelly Oubre, same thing. He was pretty bad for the Hornets in this spot. But I thought Hunter was just okay. Um, Kongwu, kind of a weird night. Seven points. Only took two shots on the floor. I think that the Hawks need to, especially on a night when Kongwu was going to be primarily used, by the way, Akongwu did not play a lot in this game. It was a little bit strange. They went to Kaminsky for way too long, I thought, at, at different points. But I think that, in general, they need to use Akangwu more on offense, which has been the case for a lot of the bigs, for the Hawks, especially Collins. Um, but for whatever reason, I think Akongwu's unique skill set, they're not really using it a lot on offense. He, he didn't make one nice jump shot in this one, but only taking two shots is pretty weird. Um, Rebounding-wise, he's a, weak, a, weak, a weakness for sure at center, but against Mason Plumlee, not so bad. Um, Had two blocks. One of them was a nice highlight play. I thought he played okay. He just was kind of quiet overall. And then uh the two standouts of the night on offense were Trey and Bogey. We're actually going to end with Bogey in this game. Um, but we will go to Trey now. 31 points, nine assists. Uh, I thought Trey, for the most part, was quite good in this game. Now, he was really bad at the end of the first half and the start of the second half. And that, I, I guess... I would say not coincidentally aligned with the Hawks worst stretch of the game. In fact, Trey was only plus three in a 19 point win. That's usually not what happens with Trey. Uh, But I think that that makes sense. If you watch that one stretch of game, because he really was bad for like five, six minutes, but the rest of the game is really good. So in the first half, I tweeted it like the Hawks are just different when Trey is playing like Trey, he's had a really bad year again, by his lofty standards. He's had a really bad year. And I think that he was better in this game. Still not like super duper efficient, but much more efficient in this one. Um, he was 13 to 14 at the line. That's always helpful, but uh, you know, six of 13 on twos eh, not great, but two of five on threes is totally fine. Um, nine assists, four turnovers. That's a good ratio for him. that not, not, not like a leap, but certainly just fine for him. I thought he was good outside of that one stretch. So baby steps forward from Trey. He's going to have to be better or, you know, this or better for the Hawks to be actually reaching their goals. And there's been a lot of talk even nationally about Trey in the last couple of days, but uh, bottom line, I, I, I've been saying this for a while now, but he's got to be better for the Hawks. They probably all know that, including him, and he was better for the most part in this one. And then Boogie was awesome uh, 28 points in 29 minutes. He had 20, 28 points on only 14 field goal attempts. He was two of four on twos and seven of 10 from three. Didn't have the two bizarre missed free throws, but love team rebounding with nine. Yeah, That's a little bit strange. Uh, Four turnovers is fine when you have that kind of usage. It was plus 22, game best. Um, One little bit of cold water on Bogey that I have to – I love Bogey. I'm very positive about Bogey. I was preaching all summer long that the Hawks were not going to be the same until Bogey came back. He doesn't fix everything on offense, but he fixes a lot on offense with with his shooting. I will say his defense is uh, in pretty bad shape at this moment. Now, that doesn't mean it can't improve. I think it will improve. I think Bogey has been a decent defender in his career. But uh, I think the next step for him – is going to be getting his on-ball defense back because right now he is real bad in space. And it's, it's definitely explainable and understandable. I'm not even trying to pick on Bogey, but just as an observation, he's not able to slide the way that he was sliding when he was you know, pre-knee injuries. Um, and even just the quickness level, he's, he's not really back with that. Now, even with his current level defense, he's still a very positive player because he can just transcend your offense as he was in this game. So it's great to have him back. But I think part of their on-ball point-of-attack defense Questions in recent days have been bogey related. Obviously, Trey is really bad. Um, but that's kind of when you need guys like Trent Forrest and you need Aaron Holiday even to kind of offset because bogey is having some trouble with that at this stage. And maybe that's, what come, maybe that's what will come back for him in the coming days. But really, he's been awesome. I think he had the one like very bad outlier shooting game in uh, recent days. Yeah, he was uh, 3 of 16 at MSG in his third game back. But the last four games, he had 31 points, 28 points, 17 points on reasonable efficiency in the 28 tonight. So he's been shooting the ball very well. He has, I believe it is, yeah, 23-pointers in the last – no, sorry, 23 three-pointers in the last four games. Uh, That's not sustainable for anyone outside of maybe Steph, uh, but Bogey is a tremendous shooter when he has it going, and that's been very, very obvious in the last last couple of games, and uh, he's a huge part of their offense moving forward. So anyway, again, at the end of the night, a very positive result for the Hawks going into the weekend, and they have two days off from here. The Hawks actually only have three games in the next 10 days, which is a a nice little uh, break in the schedule and pretty favorable matchups. Now, nothing is assured in the NBA, as we saw earlier this week (laughs) on Wednesday, et cetera. But uh, they have two days off. Then they play Monday at home against Orlando. That's a rematch of the Calamity on Wednesday. I'm sure the Hawks have a little bit of extra emphasis against uh, the Magic after that 50-point first quarter, by the way, which I covered on the podcast in depth if you missed that episode. And the last thing on the way out here, it was announced tonight, on the Valley broadcast that uh, my friend, Bob Rathbun will be planning to be back on the air on Monday for that game. Uh, that's obviously wonderful news that Bob is feeling well and uh, ready to get back to work. I'm sure he'll get a lot of attention when he comes back on Monday night, but uh, shots Mike Morgan he did, did a good job filling in on the Valley broadcast. And uh, you know, I've been talking about Bob a lot recently, but uh, certainly he's been in the thoughts of everyone, including the players on the team and the coaches and people around the team. And it's going to be great to see Bob back in the saddle on Monday. Anyway, that's going to be it for me on this podcast, a pretty positive episode after I was uh, pretty pessimistic on Wednesday night. And uh, look, it wasn't perfect in this game again, defensively, they have a lot of work to do. Still. They're still fighting an uphill battle without three of their top four players. And uh, that does not paper over with, with just this one win, but um certainly better than losing this one, especially after they went by 24 points. I'll just say this, if they had lost this game after having a 24 point lead, it would have been a lot of uh, anxiety going into the weekend but they managed to hold on win comfortably and everybody's feeling better now i'm sure heading into the break so monday night we'll have more uh, on that game of course hawks and magic i might have an episode between now and then don't uh, i will not fully commit to that but i'm planning on hopefully having something to drop on sunday into monday but no matter what please subscribe to this podcast on your platform of choice youtube is certainly there for you on the video side as well as apple Podcasts, spotify stitcher tuning radio odyssey app Google Play, all those places. Please subscribe and download multiple times. You're certainly allowed to do that to help the podcast. I would definitely appreciate that. Five star ratings and reviews as well. Follow me on Twitter if you'd like to at BT Roland. Follow the show on Twitter at Locked On Hawks. Also check out my written content Patreon.com/slash BT Roland, and we'll see you all next time.